training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Pendola with the Pendola Project. Hello, Matt Pendola. This is Jake Parker with the Pendola Project here with episode 59. The topic today, Matt, is get fit and never quit. I felt very wholesome recording this episode, Matt, because we talked about a lot of different aspects, but we really touched on how they all play in together. And I think that's a really important part of the conversation because anyone can go on Google or YouTube and find one bit of information, but they won't get how it correlates with the rest of their training and their lives in general. I fall into the trap sometimes of just trying to give bullet points or here's your top five things that you should think about doing. And that's not a bad thing. Of course, I think it can help people to give them some structure, but this type of episode that we're about to talk about is a two or maybe even three parter. We're going to keep going to this until we feel like we have covered our bases enough, but this isn't something that we can just kind of put into just a few bullet points. So hopefully when you listen to this, you can start to understand why maybe in the past you have quit your fitness goals or maybe even gone through injuries, setbacks of one form or another. And something that I really do want to have an effect on here, I know you do too, Jake, with this podcast is giving better information allows people to stay on track. And I really want to understand why my clients or why people that are talking to me fell off the wagon in the first place. So a lot of things that we're talking about today, I feel like do address your why, serve your needs, because we're talking about a lot of misconceptions or a lot, we're talking about a lot of things that once we do have our goal or once we do say, okay, that's it, I'm going to, I'm committing, I'm, I'm ready to do this. And just from day one, there's there's not a good plan for the training. And why? Because we're following a plan that's been written up for somebody else or because we don't understand the nuances or the spaces between the training that matter most so that you can stay on that plan. Which is so frustrating. And I hate to see people going through that because I've been there myself tons of times with my training, with my nutrition, all kinds of aspects. And so our goal here is not to give easy answers. And while that may be a little bit tougher at times, you will be so much better armed with the better knowledge to make the answers for yourself. It reminds me of the the parable, if you teach a man to fish, right? Absolutely. We're, we're, we're trying not to just feed you. We're trying to teach you how to feed yourself. Yeah. And the theme that we're going for with this 2020, in 2020, we want to focus more on teaching you how to fish. That's a great way to put it, I think, so that you are developing your plan in your process to success is something that we're talking about maybe a year from now, right in, show us what it is that you did, what you learned from our progressions, what you learned from our talks, and how you applied it to yourself. And speaking of those processes through discomfort... Are you willing to give yourself over to that process? Are you willing to go through that work? Listen up. (laughs) 
Oh, hello there. We are back with episode 59, Get Fit and Never Quit. We're going to do a little bit of a series with this one, Matt, because we've got a lot to say here that's probably not all going to fit into one podcast, but this is all about your quality training. And Matt, I'd love it if we could start with kind of defining that because I get the sense from some people that they hear quality training day and they think that, oh, my the rest of my week wasn't very good quality. And that's not quite what we mean. I think we mean like your more challenging, but really, really important training days, right? Yeah. So Jake, when we look at training overall, we want to consider our energy system development. And we've talked about this before a lot, but just to review quickly, every day can't be a hard day. So let's just start with that. If we expect ourselves to grind every day, we're probably going to be disappointed. Trust us both. That does not work for long. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through it myself. I know that you have. Yep. We, and especially when we were younger, you just think that you are exempt from the rules. Of course, when you're younger, you do recover a little bit quicker. But I still think that even with my younger athletes that are just at their optimal levels of recovery and performance and all those things are just, you know, they're in their sweet spot. It's all there. That still has to be something that you are paying attention to. So we don't want to put ourselves behind by not having and planning quality training sessions and also easier days, recovery days. So let's remind ourselves that we have to have a why. We want a why. And in that why, that legacy we want to live, we have goals. We have goals that we want to plan for. Work backward from that goal date. That's the first part. So if we're in January and our main goal is in October, we want to make sure that we are doing the appropriate work in January for that October goal, which probably means that you're doing more base training, you're putting in a little bit more volume, or you're building up your overall readiness in whatever capacity that is for your main goal. If you're writing up a plan then you have a training progression. If you're not, they're just workouts. Yeah, and that is where I think people can get into trouble because now if you don't know what to do, I think our default is I'm going to do more. And at least that was certainly mine for quite a long time, and that's not sustainable to me. Yeah, so Bobby says, what episode was that, Jake? That was in 37. Happy New Year with Bobby McGee. Yeah, man. So yeah, listen up to that one. But he says that there's the spaces between the training that are most important, really. So working in a good training progression means that you're looking at your rest, you're looking at your recovery, your repair. It's work plus rest equals success, in other words. When I'm writing up my quality days. And as a coach, I will put quality Q day maybe three times in a week for a particular athlete. Usually that's an athlete that's younger. As they get older, it may be twice a week and or maybe it's a younger athlete with a heavier work schedule or school schedule, or maybe they don't even have two quality sessions a week, maybe it's just one at times. This all should depend on what your overall workload is like. You you don't want to just 
take any plan. And I feel like a lot of times this is a big mistake. So listen up. This is what people are a lot of times coming to me with. They are following a plan. They're getting completely drowned in that plan. And they don't understand why it's not working for them because it worked for their friend that's similar to them. Mm -hmm. Well, does your friend work as many hours as you? Do they have a job that's as stressful as yours? Do they have kids? I mean, you could keep going are they arguing with their wife like I am? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. But are you under the same amount of stress? Okay. And there's also obviously times when you know that you're going to have less stress. In other words, for my schedule, I'm looking at the summer as generally being the best time for me to put in heavier workloads, more volume than right now. So that's why racing in October works out pretty well for me as an athlete and as a business owner. I may have picked my races based off of when I could actually put in more of the training. Mm -hmm. So that's another variable. So what I mean by that is I'm still picking things that I really enjoy and that I love and look forward to doing, but those events can be year round. I just decide on which events I feel like I can focus on more and then work backwards from there. And I think that's a pretty healthy why too, because you also have like a legit goal and that is going to justify those quality days because like you said at the beginning Matt those are oftentimes going to be the harder days but something that I wanted to bring up is harder training doesn't always mean better training and that's why there's this distinction between training days and quality days right because if every day is as tough as it's possibly going to be I don't know I just don't see that as like the right path to success I think it was Kathleen Doswell, which we also interviewed her. She said, recover hard, which again, Bobby's her coach and he wrote that in her plan. For her, she has that worker mentality and that's not a bad thing, but Bobby knows how to sort of address that sort of a mindset. So he said, recover hard, right? But if everything that you're doing in life were just about grinding it out or working as hard as you can all the time, we'd have a lot more hard workers winning medals or achieving a lot more success. It's not just about working hard though. And I think that a lot of people that take pride in how hard they work, although I respect that, there is a time and a place though. It's time to work hard and I expect you to work hard or I expect to work hard myself. Now it's go time, for example. Okay, I can do that though because I recovered enough. We said in a previous episode, we're gonna talk about this topic more. I mean, I've had, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say, I think other ignorant people that look at my training programs for my athletes and say, oh yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's not hard enough. You know, like it's really that hard for me to make somebody puke or to train as hard as they can on intervals. Or, you know, you go into a class that, uh, let's say spin class, right? Or you have a CrossFit class or, you know, Orange Theory came along and they're doing classes that are maybe less technical, not as many Olympic lifts, but we're going to train really hard and we're not gonna hurt as many people, right? Well. I I don't think that that's been hugely successful. Sorry if you've been doing those kind of things, but I don't think that's been as successful as people would have thought because they're still not addressing their overall 
energy system needs, and they're still dipping into the well all too often. And that's where you feel depressed, defeated, you can't push as hard. And I got news for you. If you're pushing moderately hard, which is what a lot of people are doing, they think they're doing high intensity, but in reality, they're actually pushing moderately hard because they're doing it day after day. So you you can't go as high of intensity and or they're not giving themselves the appropriate rest between sets, et cetera, et cetera. And in their minds, yeah, they're grinding it out. They have that metabolic effect. The muscles are burning. They want to puke. Of course, I'm working hard. But I can guarantee you that my athletes that are working hard on their key quality day. And that's what I would call that day that may come like once every 10 days. Okay. No, it doesn't come that often. You do have other quality days in that training progression. And there's levels of quality that you're addressing on those days. And that's definitely going to help you take the proper introduction progression so you can peak in a particular session so you can adapt your body okay and then be able to own that session really master that adaption and then be able to move on from that so these are progressions even but in 10 days you might only do one particular session that's really going to push Okay. And then even on that level, I only believe in truly, let's say a key race that an athlete's going to do or a key competition they're going to do that may, I may be able to dig deep enough into the well once or twice in a season. And then really we can't dig that deep again. So even though they have races, there's only maybe one or two key races where we expect to dig as deep as we possibly can. So Jake, that's the mentality that I wish I had adapted sooner in my lifetime. I worked really hard for several years, especially in my early 20s, late teens, that period of time there, where I was just really grinding out a lot of sessions, hard sessions, and I really wasn't getting to where I wanted to get to. But the truth of it is that I wasn't mentally prepared or braced to go deep into the well when I really needed to because I was already burnt out, exhausted, just overcooked. And I wasn't ready for that true quality key day. And you know why? Because I wasn't in 100% belief of my capabilities. So if I just work as hard as I possibly can all the time, I must be at least, you can. You should be clapping for me, right? I must be at least doing enough work where you can't say that I don't work hard. And they were right. Everybody agreed that I was a hard worker. And most of those people that I was working harder daily than they were, were also beating me in the races. So how well did that work for you? Yeah, that's so frustrating. And I feel that for my own life. And I think the listener will really take that home because I think a lot of people have dealt with that. And that reminds me of a quote that we've all heard. And it's the, the practice makes perfect quote, Matt. And I get it. I get what that is trying to say, but I don't think it quite goes deep enough. And then that takes us to like that 10,000 hours of practice rule makes you an expert. I don't know, Matt, what do you think about that? And practice makes perfect. To me, it just sounds like just you're just cranking your gears. Yeah. So this is another point that I like to bring up with my athletes. Don't just go through the motions. 
It could be something as simple as going through their strength stretching, I call it, at the beginning of their session where they're doing some activation work to get their muscles ready. Strength stretching, by the way, is not traditional stretching, but we'll save that for another podcast. But what I like my athletes to focus on is the intent and what it is that we're trying to accomplish that day. It might be just movement improvement that day. In other words, let's get better range of motion. Let's really focus on how to get those joints moving well. Then we'll focus a little bit more on our accessory work so we get more stability, et cetera. That has a focus that day. And if you are not focused on that quote unquote easy day, then your primary day where you're really focused on efforts that are harder and you're using compound movements that really need a lot of good communication, range of motion, that process to success for getting stronger is occurring in part because of what you did on your easy day. So that's where we really need to not just focus on the bells and whistles. In other words, oh, I'm lifting heavy today, I'm gonna focus now but I'm gonna focus on what leads me up to that day and then also how do I recover from this harder effort? And so that's the spaces between the training being so important that we talk about there. So let's just talk a little bit more about what we do when we strength train. So Jake, I don't know how often this comes up for you, but it seems like for me, this question comes up more and more. How many reps should I do? How often should I train my body? How do I get the results that I want? And a lot of times it seems like the idea of training daily or training often is misinterpreted because there's going to be a focus on quality. There's going to be purposeful practice making progress. And so I think that that confusion is overwhelming. Sometimes it keeps people from going in. They don't know if what they're doing is wrong, if it's going to bulk them up and they're trying to lose weight or or the opposite where they want to go for a run because they enjoy it, but they're afraid they're going to get skinny and they don't want to lose the muscle they've gained. And there's just so many interpretations there that I hear about. I'd like to address that for our listeners as well. I definitely have heard similar scenarios and it makes me think of like if your goal is to gain muscle and you take one of these air quotes easier days to work on your neuromuscular and your neurological systems are you wasting a day that's what i hear more frequently is people feel like oh well because we didn't go 100 percent today now i feel like i i failed okay so now you've sparked me we're gonna have to have a podcast about the central nervous system and in particular normalization but that's another podcast So everything is really going to be driven by your nervous system. If you are testing your grip, let's say, and you have a little bit stronger grip on a Monday, and how do you know this? Well, you can actually test your grip, but most people don't have a tool for that. But when you grab onto 
the dumbbells or the bar, whatever you're grabbing onto, and you're just doing some work sets, and you notice that your grip is a little bit stronger, like you're really death gripping that bar, and you feel good, and you're just doing work sets, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm on it today. Maybe that's supposed to be an easier day, and you know what? Maybe you should actually go for it a little bit more that day. Maybe that's a good sign for you that, man, this the weight feels light today probably a decent sign that you're ready to go as long as it fits in with the rest of your week and your schedule, right? But the opposite is obviously potentially true too. I'm doing 10 reps. This is supposed to be at 60% effort or 60% of my one rep max, if you know that, and it feels more like 80%. That's probably a good day to back it off a little bit and Focus more on your accessory movements, which by the way, I want to break down the training just a little bit more. You go into the gym and we have ourselves a little warm up, right? In five minutes, we've talked about that before. Just get your blood flowing, get your body temperature up. You don't have to get on a spin bike in order to get in a warm up. You can do something that's a little bit more relatable to the training session you're going to do that day. So for example, you can do a banded face pull apart to start to really activate your shoulder girdle. So you can start to work towards that bench press you are going to do. You can start to do some, let's say terminal knee extensions, those type of drills, obviously you can incorporate into your warm ups, your workups. But that's the beauty of it to me, Jake, is that you understand the why behind what you're doing. So let's just take, for example, those last two movements that you are working up with as being accessory movements. So you want to think of those movements like you're accessing your strength. You're preparing your body for the compound lifts you're going to do, right? So you're going to focus a little bit more on that proper activation. And that's part of the way your nervous system works to normalize things and to get you activated. I really like thinking of it that way. Okay. And so we may do a little bit of smash and, and stretch. We may focus on a little bit more just overall accessory buildup. So now you're going to do your primary work sets. So let's say you're doing three to five actual work sets. Now you can go back and do those face pull-aparts again, all right? Or you can do something like a humble row, they call it, where you're just pulling your elbows back in an inclined position so that you're taxing a little bit more of that mid-trap again to really work on the weaker points in, let's say, your, your back. Now you're going to focus on some froggers or you're going to do some hip pull-aparts. You're doing terminal knee extensions even like you started off with. Those movements go from being the accessory movements in the beginning, and now they are auxiliary movements. And you can take those auxiliary movements to failure. I like to take auxiliary movements to failure sometimes. And the reason why I might do that is to focus on my weak points. So that's something that I feel like you can do safely. For example, if you are doing a squat to failure, that can be pretty dangerous. That can be that oh, can be like a barbell squat. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a poor design. I always on rate of perceived effort. 
I would always go to maybe an eight, maybe a nine occasionally. That's about it as rate of perceived effort on a compound movement like a squat or a deadlift, something like that. But in other words, if there's a higher risk to that movement, once your body is experiencing fatigue, there's no courage in defeated mechanics. So how far can you go with that particular movement without starting to lose control of your movement pattern? Because the two are not the same. Doing it and doing it right are not the same. Absolutely. So then you're going into something like hip pull-aparts now after you've done your squats, your deadlifts, you've done your primary movements, and you just want to essentially keep working on those weaker points of yours. You want to take that to failure. I think you can do that and you don't have a lot of risk for that. The reward can be pretty high, especially because you're focusing on a particular area in your body that you feel like you need more attention to. But your risk of injury is very, very low. Essentially with a hip pull apart, for example, you're just using a cable, a functional trainer in this case, and you're grabbing onto some ropes, you're hinging your hips, you're pulling your hips apart. You might even say go to a heavy bar and do some hip thrusters under that heavy bar, but off of the ground. You can take that to failure once you can't take another rep, what's going to happen? You just settle your hips back down to the ground and you relax and the weight sits on the ground. You're fine. So I would take those things to failure a little bit more often. And again, just targeting in with auxiliary movements on what your weak points are, what you feel like you are more challenged by that you need to bring those areas up in strength so that you can do better squats, better deadlifts, eventually progressively overload those positions. So you may choose to really work on certain movements in order to bring up your strength for your deadlift or your squat. But again, these are things that I feel like we get stuck in for months even just we keep trying to squat heavier or we try to keep moving more weight. And at a certain point, probably momentum is taking over, but we're under defeated mechanics. Even if we get that weight up or even if we can get past a particular weight, the question is, did we do it the right way? It's not how much you lift, but it's how you lift it. That's what really is going to make the progress. Matt, I like the term, uh, we live in a 3D world. And the things that you were just talking about remind me that if you're doing this like single plane work and you're only focusing on this myopic little vision that you've got, then you're missing all of the rest of these aspects and your your results may not be as good as they could be just because you're focused too, too singularly on, on one aspect of your training. And so that brings me to one of my experiences for a while. I didn't really think that running was something that I needed to include in my plan. And I'm glad that I eventually learned that I was wrong. And now I enjoy running quite a bit, but it wasn't something that was really in my training plan at all because I, I grew up thinking like, Oh, if you run, you're just going to get skinny and you're, you're just going to burn so many calories that you can't possibly have any muscle on you. Right? So Jake, yeah, I think this is a great example because 
so many people associate runners, especially distance runners. Everybody goes to marathon in their head, I think. And they associate, though, these runners with being thin or skinny. And that's what caused them to be skinny was all the running. Right. Where you know my standpoint on this, especially if you're looking at competitive runners, when you look at a running lineup and you're looking at the world's best, of course, they are extremely lean. But runners that are born with those attributes are good at distance running. That's why they chose a sport. It's not necessarily because they do all those miles that they're so lean. So that being said, I can speak from personal experience here. If I'm running 35 miles a week and I'm just used to running 35 miles a week and I'm strength training and I'm used to strength training with, let's say, three quality days, which personally what I do myself is a Sunday, a Tuesday, and a Thursday strength training day, and they're all total body strength training days, okay? I have a different focus on each day. So for example, I may focus a little bit more on my hip girdle on a Tuesday, and I might focus more on my shoulder girdle on a Thursday. And then that following Sunday, I generally focus on more of my core, okay? On any given day though, I'm still doing total body training, right. okay? But I may not have as much strength on a particular phase because I'm now upping my intensity for my running or I'm upping the volume in my running. So in either case, Jake, I have to get my energy from somewhere. I can't put as much energy and focus into my strength training if I'm putting more energy and focus into my running. And that may fit my why to do that. In other words, I have a race coming up and now the running takes the precedent. In fact, on those periods of time, I prefer to actually always run first, then go grab a snack, maybe even have a three, four hour break if I can manage that and then get in some strength training. But then that strength training is now usually anywhere between 50% to 75% of what I'm used to. So I'm purposely cutting the strength training back and I will lose some strength and I expect to, but of course, because I'm running more, I'm getting leaner, yes, and I'm focused on a particular goal for that. But the opposite can be true too. So right now I'm at 187 pounds, mm -hmm. I don't really weigh myself, but uh, I just happened to go to the doctor the other day and I was, oh, I'm 187 now. Okay, cool. But I was, as you know, when I was racing North Face, I was down to uh, 168. Yeah, I which I, was, I, I think is pretty light. You're a pretty tall guy. That sounds pretty light for you. Yeah, it was really light for me. And of course, that weight came back on to me. Now, of course, that's I didn't lose all that muscle and I didn't gain all that muscle back, right? It's just a shift in my training. And of course, my nutrition is supporting that. So I put in more time into my strength training and my runs are still been going great. But in general, my runs are a little bit shorter. My average is good, but there's not as much intensity involved right now in my running. So I have more focus and attention towards lifting heavy shit. 
<laughs> yeah. Right. And so that in turn allows me to to get a little bit stronger. And I do believe that it's a balance of both. And I've got to just constantly focus on what my end goal is for each season or for the year. And then of course, what my long-term goal is just constantly keeping that stuff in mind. So it's important to keep my ego in check too. So when I walk in the door, what is my purpose right now for today? And my purpose is to lift heavier, let's say, but I may choose a movement that I feel like has a lower risk, but a lot of reward. And I'm going to choose that movement because I know with my past, with my lower back, my L4, L5, S1, that all got pretty hammered in my hot shotting days. And so that's something that I want to consider. Do I want to do a traditional deadlift, for example, or am I going to focus a little bit more on something like a barbell hip thrust for my heavier day? Or do I want to do, say, an elevated hex bar deadlift? So these are just all things that I consider in my training progressions. But then also, I'm not going to focus as much on increasing volume in my running. So I know that my body is recovering enough for the next strength session where I intend to be in a progressive overload for strength. So right now I'm still in that purpose of progressive overload in strength. In particular, Jake, in building my connective tissue strength and my elasticity recoil, which that's going to be in part two of this podcast where we talk a little bit more about elasticity, which is about half of what I use in my endurance running for races. And then, of course, my muscular strength endurance, which is also partially important for my Spartan training where I have obstacles to do. And so there's a lot of kind of cool goals that I get to have because I'm doing some trail racing, I'm doing some Spartan racing, and I love having different variables that I have to be ready for. Matt, my main takeaway that I'm hearing from you is that dependent on the timing and the goal, any hard training that you do is going to come at some kind of a cost, and you simply have to account for those costs in the rest of your training and your rest and your recovery. So these are going to be things like if you were, for example, on that one day where you're doing a hard run and a hard strength session, you're going to be really tired that night and probably the next night too, if I'm speaking for myself. And so those types of things, maybe you're hungrier for for example. And so you're going to have to be mentally flexible and physically flexible for that matter in how the rest of your life is affected. Yeah, Jake. So I do believe in nonlinear training progressions, as we talked about before. If it's worth doing, then it should stay in your programming. But what are you emphasizing? Mm -hmm. That's, That's more of the point here. So when we look at whether or not we want to get faster, or we want to get stronger, or we want to lose weight, or we want to gain weight, what are we trying to focus on? There should be an emphasis, sure, but not always the same exact thing year round because we tend to get stagnant or injured or we tend to end up getting just burnt out, right? Yes. We need those variations. Our body needs to adapt or a reason to adapt. Okay, but also our minds, right? We have a new goal. We have even slight variations in your progressions make it fun. It's like, oh, wow, I'm actually focusing a little bit more on strength now. That's fun. I'm, I, I haven't done that in a while, and that's fun for me to do. And then, you know, after a while, to be honest, like I get 
kind of bored of just always trying to lift heavier. And Same. so now it's kind of fun to get out there and see if I can run to the top of that mountain a little faster mix than it I was up. before. Yeah. Right. So mix mixing those things up, but all too often I, I see this or I hear this or it's brought to me where people are excited if they're doing something that is pushing them, but we want to make sure that we have a plan for this. And so if you're pushing yourself in the strength room and then you're pushing yourself up that mountain and then you're trying to create a caloric deficit for yourself at the same time because you're trying to lose weight. You know, these things can be a recipe for disaster because you're doing it too much all at once and you're emphasizing all these three things all at once. Again, I keep talking about a plan, right? A training plan, energy system development plan, big difference. So I'll just bring it back to what I've been doing right now is trying to get, yes, a little bit stronger, which means that I also, by the way, eat earlier and more often throughout my day. And I think that a lot of times people are expecting things to be black or white, like, oh, you do intermittent fasting, I mm. thought. You know, and that's where I say, no, I don't like to label it as I don't do intermittent fasting, especially because I don't do it right now. I do what I think is best for me. So it might be a day that I'm not eating till later. And then another day where I'm eating early and often because I'm hungry first thing in the morning. Right. But as when I lift and especially when I try to lift heavier, I definitely feel the hunger coming on. I feel hungry more often, so I eat more often. Mm -hmm. I need it. And then, of course, let's say I'm getting closer to my main goal race, and there is going to be a little bit more of a potential deficit for me. So at my race weight, I may not be eating until later during the day and leaning up a little bit. This is all still coming down, the calories in versus calories out. But I tell you what, I don't think you can overtrain. Everything you just heard, you cannot really overtrain, but you can under-recover. You probably have heard that before, but I, let me just explain my thoughts on what that really means. If you are focusing on getting stronger, yet you're still focusing on running more miles, and yet you're still focusing on a caloric deficit, there is no possible way you are going to recover, at least not naturally. You're not going to recover enough. And by the way, that is where gear or unnatural substances start to get introduced for performance because, you know, that's the cheat that people tend to use. And they get those results faster, but it's not that you couldn't get those results naturally. But we need to understand that because we obviously don't want to take gear to get better. And most of us don't even fall into, I mean, be so silly to even consider something like that when we are not a professional athlete. So why do I bring up taking gear though? Is mainly for this reason. I think that we are influenced a lot of times, this is a hot topic again. How many times do I talk about this and you even hear me get a little bit angry as I talk about it because there's so many influencers out there that are not natural. And when they're not natural and they're taking gear, they're able to recover even though they haven't taken the time to learn the science behind the training, behind the nutrition, behind recovery. So they've cheated that and they're getting away with it. But that's fine if you're just doing it 
on your terms. Yeah, don't tell me to do it. Right. But they're going to tell you to do it so they can sell a product so they can make money off of that product so they can continue to buy more gear. No, I don't know. (laughs) Right. But so in other words, guys, do not be influenced by people who are maybe not even natural and have no idea what it's like to actually need to recover enough. Again, that's the topic I get hot about because you know in the personal training industry, it's just... It's, I, that's, I don't even call myself personal trainer. First of all, I think my job is different from that. But even when I was a personal trainer, that was always sort of a hot topic because you've got these trainers who are, they look like statues, right? They look like they just stepped out of a, off of a fitness magazine. And some of them even did. And then they have clients that think that they're going to follow this routine and get that result. Well, first of all, do you have the genetics? Not everybody has the same genetic potential. We get into all that. But on top of that, a lot of these clients and some of them athletes, they end up getting injured, disappointed, big setbacks. And all because why? Because they're given programs that you can't possibly recover from in time because they are natural. So be careful of that and be aware because when I say that I don't believe in overdoing quality sessions, especially not the the true like go close to failure, near failure type of sessions, I mean it because it takes time for the body to naturally recover. But the cool part is when you do and when you learn that and you pay attention to that, you do get stronger, you do get better, you do it naturally. And guess what? You can keep doing it for a lifetime. The people who are achieving that process, they tend to have a lot of issues later on in life or if not even right away that keep them from being healthy long term. And that's not what we want either. And it's disingenuous and that sucks. <laughs> so there you go. Some ways that you can get fit and never quit. And again, this is part one. We're going to continue this conversation. In the meantime, if you ever have any questions for us, you can always send us an email, pendolaproject at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening.